What is happening? Welcome to the Plus Pitch Podcast, your morning pitching podcast from PitcherList.com. My name is Nick Pollock. Today, we're going to talk about the Seattle Mariners, but before we do, uh, we made the formal announcement about PitchCon on the site, so go check it out. Uh, it's going to be January 24th through 28th. It is 100% free. It's to raise $10,000 to combat ALS. Uh, it's going to Mass uh, General Hospital. It is an incredible center doing incredible things uh, for ALS research and uh, handpicked by Sarah Langs herself. And we are so excited to be able to do this. So tune in uh, January 24th to January 28th. It's 11 hours a day, 11 a.m. to 10 p.m. Eastern Time, 100% free. We encourage you to donate to the cause as we try and raise $10,000 for ALS. And we also are going to be giving away prizes from all of the wonderful panelists. We have over 100 people signed up for this event, which is absolutely bonkers. We have incredible presentations and panels ready for you. We have some secret ones um, that we haven't told anyone about yet that we are just so excited to be able to reveal to you next week. So check out the full details uh, on the site at pitchros.com slash pitchcon. We will be updating more of it on Monday with the Google form to allow you to win those prizes. Remember, you don't have to donate to be eligible to win a prize. Just fill out the form. Enjoy the show. And as you get to select what you want to be eligible for, all that kind of stuff. So it's going to be a great time. It starts 11 a.m. Eastern time, Wednesday, January 24th at pitcherless.com slash pitchcon. And to interact with the chat, go to uh, playback.tv slash pitcherless. That's where the chat is going to live. That's where everyone's going to be watching it um, and being able to talk alongside uh, us on stage. So it's a great time, really. Um, come on by. It's going to be super, super fun. But we're going to talk about the uh, Mariners, absolutely. Uh, and Luis Castillo is the number one guy. Um, I know some people might want to say that's going to be George Kirby. Actually, our PLV projections, we have version one out for PL Pro members. Um, they say George Kirby ahead of Luis Castillo, and I'll be talking about Kirby in a second. But Luis Castillo, number one swing strike rate on four seamers in the majors among all starting pitchers, believe it or not. It's Luis Castillo. What? That's crazy. I know. And it's kind of awesome. He stopped throwing that sinker and said when it was four seamers, they were really good. He went more slider heavy than changeup heavy, which is also really good. Um, I also love the fact that the changeup is still much, it's, it's still effective. It's more effective than it has in previous years. All four of his pitches, sinker, four seamer, slider, changeup, have above 60% strike rates. All of them are 38% ICRs or lower, which is also great. He is in a fantastic situation of being the workhorse for the Mariners. He should get double-digit wins. He should get 200 strikeouts. The whole thing is just what you want. And I understand if people are concerned that his hip or nine's constantly about like seven. His walks are always like seven, eight percent or so. I get it. But the fact that Luis Castillo got better by adapting more four-seamers, having one of the best four-seamers in the game with his amazing flight angle with it, um, a slider that is improving, I think, will continue to improve, um, especially against lefties. Um, the sinker that is being saved more to jam righties and that changeup that is still there, all of those things come together and make a really, really uh, consistent pitcher. Now, it is weird for me to say consistent, but he's consistent based on just kind of like, yeah, he's going to be like a 3 3 3 5 ERA with a one, probably like a 107 to a 115 whip with a 27% K rate or higher. Like, that is the world of Luis Castillo. And he doesn't have the greatest command of all pitchers, but given that VAA, given that um, ability to go upstairs, that high velocity on the four seamer. The heavy whip rates on it. It's all there. You'll want to go for it. And if you can hear my radiator, I am so sorry, but it is so cold in New York. 
it is freezing. It snowed today. And I'm the curmudgeon that says, hey, look, it looks so beautiful outside. I was actually just talking to Ellen Adair about this. It's so beautiful outside. And yet uh, I hate it because that means I have to walk in a single file along the street and slower because it's all icy and I it looks disgusting and it's slushy for the next couple of weeks now. I hate it. Sorry. Anyway, what I don't hate is George Kirby. Uh, I really adore, obviously, what he does. 335 ERA, 104 whip last year, 23% K rate, 2.5% walk rate. And because he has a low walk rate, guess what? He has a higher hit rate than um, than Luis Castillo, 8.5. But uh, obviously, the fewer walks, I mean, over half fewer, is a big deal. So that's why you have the lower whip at 104. And I actually would say I want to see Kirby walk more batters. And I know that sounds crazy, but when it comes to his four-seamer, it has a 74% strike rate. It has an 18% swing strike, which is actually the second highest swing strike rate of all four-seamers in the majors, but 43% overall ICR. And why is that? Well, right-handers had a 54% ICR. He doesn't get called strikes on the pitch. It is a low 10%, sometimes even lower uh, called strike rate on it. And it's because George Kirby does two things. One, he just refuses to go out of the zone. By the way, it's O-swing over 40% uh, to right-handers. So, hey, do that more 22% swing strike rate. But he also goes middle away. And I hate it. Stop doing that. I want you to go middle up in the zone and above it. And Kirby, trying to get those whiffs, lives at middle above a lot. Instead of actually going out of the zone. Uh, above and I think that's the biggest shift that Kirby could make with his four seamer to prevent this four, 54% ICR I mean really that's got it go that can't happen 99th percentile swing strike rate but just it's it's got to change and what's interesting is that the, the shape of this pitch is not good it is not good extension it is not IVB heavy it's an okay I, uh, VAA it's really just about location of this which means that when Kirby puts it away enough it is not as good. And that's just how it is. So I, I think that's an adjustment that Kirby may, can make. And I'm really, a lot of my feelings about George Kirby about are about him being, yes, a massive control guy, but that control is actually focused because he's so good at command. He really is a good location guy. And there's intent in those four seamers that I just think is wrong um, because clearly batters can hit it far better than we'd like them to. Now, there's also the development of his slider um, this past year. And I remember watching Kirby and seeing, okay, you are doing the classic uh, clump of your sliders are just a little bit too far off the plate sometimes. And actually, as the season went on, he adapted that a bit better, got up to 15% swing strike rate, which is what you want to see on it. And I also do think that he can go against lefties uh, more effectively like the DeGrom slider down and in. I think that actually is the end game for George Kirby. And with every season, he should improve on this. So I see Kirby as a four-seamer that unfortunately doesn't have the pitch shape that I think, uh, I don't know, that it, it will always have some ICR rates that we don't like. Um, and that is always going to be the biggest weakness, I think, with George Kirby. But because of his ability to locate it so well, um, he's going to continue to get whiffs on it. And then once he gets better with the slider, I think then all of a sudden, great, then we have that that big whiff pitch that we're looking for. He also does a really good job of utilizing sinkers inside of right-handers, which is a great nullifier. The biggest thing really is just, hey, taking down lefties um, properly and also, of course, that four-seamer away to righties it just drives me up the wall. There is some talk of the splitter, whatever, maybe that will be a thing because he clearly doesn't want to do a uh, circle change away. Okay. Um, maybe the curveball can be that 72% strike rate pitch again, high called strike rate. That pretty much tells me it's just a show me earlier on, not really this reliable 
um, offering for him. So that's the biggest question. Lefties, how are you going to do this? And to me, maybe that's a cutter that you develop. I mean, Kirby can kind of do whatever the heck he wants. <laughs> so maybe it's that. Uh, maybe it's uh, the slider becoming more like the DeGrom one that we love down and in. Same with like Garrett Cole in his prime, even though he's been kind of weird with his slider. Um, that could also be a thing because it's not a sweeper. It's more of a gyro, which is good. Uh, so I love George Kirby and I feel... You know, last year I, I talked about it and I've talked about it again is I love chasing the guys that have a floor that you are cool with and would feel like an SP4 and SP3 and guys that also have that floor and are able to be an SP1 if they were able to take a step, right? If we actually a believable step where we see that ceiling and part of their our excitement for them is the ceiling. So George Kirby last year was circled as one of those guys. Logan Gilbert was one of those two. And Kirby obviously took a big step. He still has to strike out my batters. 22.7% strikeout rate is not exactly what we want. But I think that Kirby will get better with that. And that is a recipe for a very good, safe floor pitcher to get you into drafts. I want to talk about Logan Gilbert. I want to talk about Wu. I want to talk about Miller. And yes, of course, we're going to talk, on, talk about Descafani. How does he fit into this whole thing? And we're going to talk about all of that after this break. Logan Gilbert drives me up the wall. On one side of it, it's a 108 whip with a 24.5% K rate across 191 innings and low walk rates, low hit rate, all that kind of stuff that says like, oh, cool, this should be really good and the ERA should get better. On the other side of it, I uh, did you follow him last year? <laughs> it was really frustrating. What we've said for ages with Logan Gilbert is, oh, yeah, good fastball. And we're just trying to figure out what the secondary pitches. It was this loopy slider back in the day and he that disappeared, but then all of a sudden, at the beginning of last year, Logan Gilbert had a splitter, and fastball splitter was cooking. It made me go, whoa, I did not really think that this would be a thing, but all of a sudden it is. This is great. Second half, he was a completely different pitcher. It was, at times, 50% sliders. Splitter was gone. The forcing was far worse, and actually, in previous seasons, I've seen like 11, 12% swing strike rate overall for that four-seamer. It dropped to under 10% for both right-handers and left-handers as a swing strike rate, which is just bonkers. Logan Gilbert without a whiff heavy four-seamer just sounds wrong. Its ICR went up to 43%. I am worried about it. Now, it's a good slider. It really is. And like I think that that actually, if that sticks around, that second half slider, this could very well be a good thing. 71% strike with an 18% swing strike rate is, whoa, okay. Um, even when he was throwing at 50% of the time, he was still getting that. It's just a matter of, hey, are you going to get your four-seamer totally back? I don't know. He's lost drop on it. Sorry, inch. Uh, sorry, not drop. Uh, a, a rise on it. He's added an extra inch of drop, you could say. So he's lost an inch of IVB. Uh, and his command is not as good as Kirby's. That is, he does not put it upstairs as he should constantly. And maybe that's all he needs to do is just, oh man, I really was messing up on that. I need to do more of that kind of Blake style blueprint of four seamers upstairs and sliders off of that. But I'm a little worried. Um, seeing that kind of degradation of of his four-seamer. Um, the slider is cool. The splitter being too much of a necessity for him is is weird. So the ceiling is still kind of there of like, hey, cool, you get the four-seamer back and the slider, but you guys know the whole thing, the old tricks and new tricks? Like the, sorry, the old skill, new skill. The old skill always takes longer to return uh, and then the new skill comes and goes. Then there's the bottom of the barrel, then the old skill returns. That's generally how it works. Um, but it's been long enough. Maybe he does develop it. I'm fine having Logan Gilbert. Like, 
he should be inside of your top 40 of the the four starters that you feel like you're not going to drop all year. You're not going to drop Logan Gilbert all year. However, the attainability of that ceiling to me is it's a harder play because we've been trying to see Gilbert figure it out and be consistent for a while, and he just hasn't yet. So I'm a little concerned about it. Um, and I, yeah, I don't know if the splitter is going to return enough. It's just... I see him as like a back-end SP3 in 12-teamers. Like, I'm probably going to have him around SP30 or so. Uh, there's an argument to be made that I want the next two guys more than Logan Gilbert, but the floor of innings that Gilbert has provided, um, and even in the quote-unquote bad season that he had last year, well, it's not even that... It's like he had a really good first half, and then he had a, a, kept his head above water in the second with that slider. Um, but even then was still like 108 whip, 373 ERA, 25% K rate. Like, it wasn't, you know a death sentence or anything like that. Like that was still productive. Um, so Brian Wu and Bryce Miller are the next two. And I've heard a lot of people say, who do you want, Nick? Is it Bryce Miller or Brian Wu? And then there's Anthony Descafani thrown into the mix now because Robbie Ray was dealt um, to the Giants. So I've updated the uh, the rotation article on the site if you want to uh, take a look more into Descafani. I don't believe that Descafani will be the SP5. I'm just going to tell you right now, Descafani is a slider prayer guy. I I gotta have a term for this. This is like what Michael Lorenzen did last year. Um, Glenn Otto's kind of like this, and Descalfani is like it. I mean, I think Descalfani was really the uh, the poster child for it, and did it a lot in 2021, and then tried to survive within 2022, but he was hurt, and then did it again this past year. But the 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 prime of 2021 for Descalfani has faded as the sinker and four seamer performed so much worse, and it, it's just not there. Uh, so I don't think that the Mariners are, would be wise to take these two starters, Brian Wu and Bryce Miller, who are already better than Descalfani and are now in that second year where they need to be stretched out fully and really be pushed that every five days and really get that proper development and stunt that for Descalfani, who's going to make them a worse ball club. That doesn't seem right to me. What does seem right to me is having Descalfani as your long reliever. And then when a spot opens up, which it will, it does every year. It's five pitchers and it's so rare to see just the same five pitchers the entire year. I think there was like the Marlins or something did that once through June and it was so shocking. Like it just doesn't happen. Descalfani will then be stretched out enough to clearly take that that spot. So he's really the SB6 right now as a long reliever. And that's what will happen. Uh, maybe they'll say, you know what, we we saw about 120 innings between the majors and minors last year for Brian Wu, and we, we're just going to skip one or put in Anthony Descafani to give everybody some rest once, something like that. But Wu and Miller are going to be in that rotation. I I, I would be so enraged um, if the Mariners over-managed here and did something else. So about Wu and, and Bryce Miller, where do I have them on the list? Where do I have them relative to each other? And I'm much more of a Wu girl than I am a Bryce Bryce baby. I don't know. It's fine. I, I'm i not doing that again. <laughs> I, and there are two reasons why. Uh, one, I think Brian Wu's command overall is just better. Um, he's someone who's actually able to execute a game plan much more than Bryce Miller, who's absolutely a thrower and Brian Wu is actually more of a pitcher. And the second aspect is the arsenal. The arsenal is more developed already for Brian Wu. When he first came up, it was just really forcing because he didn't really know what to do. But we actually saw some really good gains on his cutter, 
um, the in, the addition of the sinker actually worked really well. He threw that sinker about 26% of the time and had an ICR of 26%. Remarkable to say the least. I love that. Um, he gets it inside to right-handers and he does that with intent and that's phenomenal. So you see a lot of the uh, the manners actually did that. Castillo did that. Um, uh, George Kirby did that. Uh, Robbie Ray did that in 2022. And the addition of that sinker actually does a lot of things to help the four-seamer a ton. And Brian Wu does that well. I also think the cutter and slider have a higher potential of locking in for him. And it's interesting because Bryce Miller and Brian Wu do it in two different ways. Uh, Miller does it with great extension and natural IVB, while Brian Wu does it with absurdly good VAA. Um, it is one of the flattest um, approach angles in the majors which means that his four-seamer had a higher swing strike rate than Bryce Miller's last year. VAA is one of the more important things when it comes to swing strike rate. IVB is really good. If you get both of them, oh my gosh, look out. Um, but generally, if you throw a, a very good VAA pitch upstairs, it's going to perform well unless it's the worst uh, IVB out there. Um, so I, I, I dig Brian Moo. You have this perfect situation. Exactly what I'm talking about of a floor that you accept and you're cool with with the ceiling for legitimate breakout because it's a 121 whip, um, 21.5% K rate, 8% walk rate, 7.7 hit per nine, like low ICR of a 33% last year, which is so good. Um, I think that Brian Wu is just kind of ready to soar this next year. And you're not going to drop Wu the entire season. So uh, I would absolutely go for that. And Bryce Miller to me is going to be a little bit more volatile. Um, his stuff is oddly hittable. Uh, 43% ICR on the four-seamer and 45% on that slider. And to see that fastball uh, perform as well as it did, 70% strike rate, I guess 16% swing strike, but that high ICR, when guys make contact with it, they did more with it. And I don't have as much faith in his sinker. I don't have as much faith in his slider development. So I hope this gets, you know, th there's development with it. But watching him, um, it just doesn't quite come together as well. And I think left-handers are a bigger struggle for, struggle for Bryce Miller than it is Brian Wu. Uh, obviously, both of them are missing that extra pitch to really be a nullifier. Four-seamers are always going to be better. I mean, not always, but for the most part, if you have a general, hey, I'm going to whiff guys with my four-seamer, four-seamer, not like a cut action one, you're going to be better against right-handers. You're going to get more whiffs against right-handers than you are against left-handers or same-handedness, I should say. Uh, when it's more of a cut action one, you generally can perform better against lefties or opposite handed because uh, you can then get it inside to them effectively. So that then means, okay, you need to have a secondary offering that is to help more against left handers, opposite handed. And traditionally how you do that is either with a cutter inside, change up away, or just a stellar command of your fastball to be able to go up and in to opposite handed batters. That is the number one skill, by the way, of every of every pitcher. If you if you find a guy that goes, hey, cool, I can always go up and in to, with my four-seamer to the opposite-handed batters, that is something that you can build upon. Actually, Dylan Cease kind of does that, but yeah, he kind of does that. When he's at his best, he can do that and actually stay out of the zone. Like, that's what happened in 2022. Yeah, 22. Uh, that's what Dylan Cease had during his breakout year. It just... uh yeah, it fell apart a bit. He threw too many strikes last year. Anyway, um, that's not the conversation we're having today. Check out that other podcast, of course. Um, but anyway, so Bryce Miller, I like, I think there's more um, possibility of this bottoming out. 
which sounds kind of weird because the four-seamer generally is going to keep him afloat, I think. It's not going to be like he's going to be a 5 year rate pitcher or something like that. But I think there's going to be more stagnation and a little bit more volatility with Bryce Miller because it's so dependent on the four-seamer and his overall command, I think, is just more chaotic. So I ha- I'm lower on Bryce Miller than I am at Brian Wu. Um, on the fringe, it's really just Emerson Hancock after Anthony Descafani. He's going to be the number seven. He was the number six. I think it's number seven now. He was shut down with a grade one shoulder injury and grade one being better than, say, the grade three. It's light one. They said, you know what? Okay, everything's fine. It's no structural damage, but let's just shut you down and come back to it next year. Uh, he's a sinker-focused guy with a really good changeup. And I remember actually during his debut yelling at him during it at bat to throw the changeup and waiting for him to do it. And he finally did it and he got the out. And I was like, this is, that took six pitches, buddy. That's your best pitch. Throw that more. Um, yes. Cause I'm the greatest and everything. No, I'm just, I'm just being silly, but no, Emerson Hancock has a really good changeup and it's a sinker focus and he does have a decent slider and like, he's a strike thrower. Um, and I can see this turning into a Toby kind of thing. Maybe it's a Logan Webb situation in the future. Um, but when he does get regular starts and he likely will this year, there is absolute value in a 12-teamer, especially if he gets a decent schedule. So keep your eye on that. And there is some conversation to be had about the Mariners as a whole. Is it good to pitch for the Mariners? Um, I think their team is filled with guys that are given long leashes. And generally, I do like that if there's a team that isn't going to go to the pen too quickly. So like 90 plus pitches um, constantly. Um, and there is often organizational uh, influence in general about their pitchers. Like, cool, is this a massive bullpen that is so good. Like the Rays, they'll be super efficient and cut them off around 80 pitches or so fast. I think the Yankees kind of do a little bit too. The Dodgers do. A couple others do like that. But the Mariners consistently are saying no 90 pitches and longer. Royals do that. The Guardians do that. Those are good things. But are they going to win enough games? I don't know. That offense isn't necessarily that great. Uh, How good is their defense? I don't necessarily think it's elite. So it goes both ways in this way. But I would say a lot of these pitchers... I mean, generally, if you're going 30 starts, you should be able to get 10 wins in a year. I mean, that's just kind of how it is. If you're able to go, like, if you have 90 pitches a start and you can go 30 starts, you should probably have, like, 10 wins. And then there's upside for more, of course, for, like, George Kirby if he's going further than that. Like, seven, eight innings, that's just going to be higher chances to um, to earn wins. Um, as far as the uh, the prospects go, there are three guys. Um, there's Taylor Dollard. Um, who had a labrum injury that had a season-ending surgery, ending surgery, and there really isn't enough for us to really focus on this. It's a low 90s fastball, um, but the uh, the slider doesn't really have electricity. It's a low 72 mile per hour curveball. This is the most effective thing, and it just doesn't quite um, feel like you're going to see much of him this year. So Taylor Dollard exists, especially after the surgery. Though you're going to see him really need some time to ensure that he's all good and healthy before the Mariners will trust him. There's Prelander Baroa, who might just be a reliever for them, but I mean, I just want to dream that he's like Christian Javier with more velocity and a better slider. Like, super good IVB, throws 96 miles per hour, uh, has a solid VAA, good extension. It's like all the things that are good, and it looks so good. It's so fun to see like mid to upper 90s with like amazing attributes and he has a wipeout slider like take Matt Brash and give him a much better fastball and like slightly worse slider like oh man wait hold on a second <laughs> um I imagine the Mariners are going to say cool we have a full rotation and we could use another really stud reliever so fine if Brewer is going to go there but 
I don't know. I want to see it because I'm a starting pitching guy and I love seeing electric stars. Like this is to me is like Strider, dude. You have a Strider in Prelander Baroa. Ugh, start him. Start him. I don't know if he's good enough to to walk under 8% batters, but uh, I want it. Okay. Um, and then uh, you have Jimmy Joyce, um, who should get the promotion to AAA this year, or at least like have some innings in AA. Maybe the the Mariners, which they've done before, I think they did with Bryce Miller, they might have done it with Brian Wu too, is that they skip AAA for the starters that they want to work on because that's the PCL. And they might stick Jimmy Joyce in AA as alone, which is annoying for me because not all the stadiums have uh, TrackMan set up. So that's the most annoying thing ever. I don't get StackCast data. <laughs> I need my StackCast data for AAA guys, okay? I need it. Anyway, um, he has a true two-seamer and change-up uh, combination. He does have a curveball as well. Uh, it doesn't quite uh, excite me. He is uh, someone that maybe the command isn't quite there. It's kind of typical for lower arm angle guys who are throwing more cross body. But this could be kind of a ground ball machine thing. Could be an effective thing with the with the changeup. So definitely um, keep an eye on Jimmy Joyce if he does happen to get those opportunities if the other guys falter. But it does feel like Hancock does have the upper hand here. Cock of Hancock. Okay, it's fine. Of, <laughs> of being the SP7 and then SP8 could be something like Jimmy Joyce. Um, but that is it for the Mariners. I really hope they start Baroa. That's all I got to ask. All I want for Christmas is Prelander Baroa getting an opportunity to actually be a true starter. Um, but that is it. I hope to see you at PitchCon next week. And uh, definitely check out PitcherList Lifetime. We are going to be closing that pretty soon, um, by the way. If you are on the fence about getting PL Pro Lifetime, uh, we're going to be closing that. I don't know when. It could be this week. It could be uh, mid-February. But we are closing that at a moment, and um, I don't know when we're going to bring it back. I mean, it will be this year. It's just I don't know when. Um, but if you want to jump in, it's always going to be limited spots. So consider doing that. Um, for those that are in a Petros for the long haul like I am, uh, it's an obvious choice. Um, and hopefully you can help support what we're doing because we have so many awesome projects in the works. But that is it. So my name is Nick Pollock, and may your babas be low and your strikeouts high.